Hi there, and welcome to another Osler podcast. My name's Todd Fraser. Healthcare is a difficult industry to advance your career in. Many of us are time poor, and there is little structure to training and learning outside formal college training programs. Many clinicians, therefore, are turning to coaching and mentoring for answers. These concepts are familiar to many in the business world, but they are only now working their way into mainstream healthcare. Rita Holland is a certified professional coach and a director of Capstan Partners, who are providing dedicated coaching services to healthcare professionals. And Rita joins me on the podcast to talk about coaching and mentorship today. Rita, welcome. Thank you very much, Todd. Nice to be here. Rita, a lot of us will have heard of coaching and mentoring as terms that are bandied around, but what do they actually mean and what's the difference between the two? That is um, the million dollar question, Todd. So often clinicians um, I, are interested in knowing and understanding what is the difference and it's not always well understood. And I'm just going to highlight a couple of the number of areas that are setting them apart. Um, clinicians understand mentoring. It's sort of intrinsic in the practice in lots of the facilities. And it's often around the expert, experienced, qualified clinician providing support, knowledge and experience to a trainee or a registrar or a peer that, um, and maybe even opening some doors that that trainee may not have um, have access to. So it is very much of a sort of a um, senior, junior, master expert relationship. Coaching is very different. Um, coaching is not about um, the coach being an expert in anything clinical. It is about um, having the expertise in providing clinicians with a space to actually sort their own solutions, ask questions to the clinician, give them space and silence to think, not tell them what to do, um, and really provide them with a psychologically safe place for them to get themselves out of their own way to further their success. And they're just sort of some of the key differences. There's a lot in common. It is about accelerating the development of high-performing clinicians. It is about um, getting self-doubt and anxiety out of the way. And it is about um, taking people from a good place to a great place. Freddie, you work specifically with healthcare professionals. What are some of the issues that people seek um, coaching and mentoring for? Mm. So mentoring and coaching both are valuable across the whole career span for clinicians. Mentoring is great if you just want to get advice, just be told what to do. By the way, what did you do when you're in this situation? Ask for um, recommendations. Who should I speak to? Where can I go? And really just be very um, directive around the advice and the knowledge that, um, that, that you can receive quite generously from senior clinicians. Coaching, really suits clinicians who are kind of want to go a little bit further and just be a bit more reflective think about what's going to be the right solution for them not necessarily be told what to do but to give themselves some headspace to get off the the, the busyness and the exhaustion and really find a time and a place with unconditional positive regard no blame name shame just to think and so it depends what clinicians want as to which mode is going to be useful or most useful. And chances are both are very useful. It's not an either or. I would be encouraging clinicians to um, really take advantage of both those types of um, relationships to get the best of their career. 
What do clinicians say they enjoy about this type of format? Well, how good is it when you get told what, what the solutions are or, by the way, I made this mistake and I, I don't, please don't do that. So mentoring is fantastic if you want a very didactic, this is what I learned and by the way, this is not what I recommend approach. So it can be a great um, sense of comfort and um, confidence to be able to hear a senior clinician give their advice from mistakes made and hopefully not have it repeated. That said, what works for one consultant and trainee relationship may not suit where your values are at and where you as a clinician want your career to go. And so coaching them can become a different modality to provide um, an unbiased opportunity to really think what is consistent with your strengths and your values and what's important to you. So that drives that relationship quite differently. With regard to coaches, who who becomes a coach and what sort of training and expertise do they bring to, to the table? Mm. So coaching has a community of practice rather than industry. Anyone, anyone can call themselves a coach. And in fact, anyone does call themselves a coach, which is where um, it can be a trick for the uninitiated to understand the qualities and the credentials that make some coaches very good and some coaches not so good. So... In theory, anyone can call themselves a coach. You could be taught. Um, and a lot of well, some clinicians, certainly in Australia, in recent um, years and certainly in the last year or two, are finding it incredibly useful to gain some skills to expand their existing leadership skills and management skills and supervisory skills and clinical leadership skills to actually be more what we would call more coach-like. So they don't have to be what we would also call the advice monster. They don't always have to be giving advice. They can be giving advice, but a lot of clinicians are now seeing the value of actually not having to have all the answers. Todd, fancy that. What about the opportunity to actually ask questions rather than provide, always provide advice? So clinicians can gain, and part of the work that I do in, in our team of um, clinicians that have coaching qualifications is to provide clinicians with coaching skills. And I don't suggest a lot of clinicians are going to race off and be coaches, but they're going to be more coach-like and having corridor conversations uh, more often with more trainees every single day in their life as being a better clinician. That said, um, people like me aren't clinicians, but we coach clinicians. So my background's in coaching psychology. I've acquired um, coaching qualifications from Sydney University. And what I'd be encouraging clinicians to look for are um, people who sell themselves, I guess, as coaches, definitely, but with coaching credentials that are recognised by um, one of sort of three industry bodies that we have that recognises um, professional coaching, um, whether it's the International Coach Federation or others. So um, I would encourage clinicians who are looking to find a coach to find someone who is credentialed with a coaching-specific qualification that has been recognised by an international body of, of, uh, for our community of practice. Rita, I'm still intrigued by what you, uh, what some of the, the 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 problems that you might address are. Can you give us some practical examples yeah. of how coaching, in particular, can help junior and senior doctors? Absolutely. So, Todd, it it's sort of this probably four core themes that I use to describe its application. One is performance coaching. As we all know, 
throughout the career stages from um, whether it's exam preparation or interview preparation, it is often not the clinical skills that clinicians are struggling with. It is the anxiety and the self-doubt and the inner critic and the am I good enough that actually emerges. And a, we get a lot of, um, we get some trainees and others, senior consultants, for example, going for interviews who really come to performance coaching to build the confidence and the competence to actually manage their anxiety, their self-doubt and their inner critic. It has often nothing to do with their clinical skills. So performance coaching is a big part of um, the services we offer. The other um, practical application of coaching is in wellbeing. I don't think I'm speaking to anyone today in healthcare that doesn't understand the overwhelm, cognitive, emotional, physical overload and exhaustion that is, that is apparent. So we do work with clinicians who are wanting to be held accountable to prioritise their self-care. They have got to a point where this continuing exhaustion is not sustainable. And I've probably avoided using the word burnout, but it is about the burnout. Um, and so we work with clinicians who want to come to a place where they can be held accountable to improve their um, priorities to, to, to do whatever it takes for them to feel that they can be a better clinician. And that might be something as straightforward as a physical need to get more exercise or sleep, or it could be how to say no or move their boundaries on their work-life um, challenges. Um, the third part of how coaching is used in a very practical way is through career transitions and career decisions. So as we all know, clinicians and healthcare professionals are very, very good at striving, always seeking for something more different, better, something novel, something they've not done, something they should start, what they should finish. And making those decisions at various points is often exhausting. The decision fatigue gets in, not quite knowing where to prioritise their choices and typically also trying to challenge or to, to face the challenges of what does that mean for their personal life and their financial implications. So it really is about, um, and it may be through leadership as well. So, um, and I'll come to leadership in a minute, but it's about the career decision points and career transition points. And then the last theme that really encapsulates what we do with coaching is in that leadership space. So it's really not just heads of departments and um, people who might run a, a GP practice, but it's really about the fact that most clinicians in some formal informal way will have leadership responsibilities and typically um, you know, the, the, the formal qualifications for clinicians doesn't necessarily include how to have difficult conversations, how to advocate for issues that, that, that need to be um, addressed, how to um, deal with big personalities, how to um, you know, have to, how to support juniors and peers when they're feeling overwhelmed. So it's really that leadership opportunity as well. So there's sort of the four main areas that we can sort of take practical examples into to coaching. Coaching and mentorship have been an established part of other businesses and you know, other industries for quite some time. Are there reasons why it hasn't established itself in healthcare? And what do you see as the barriers for people seeking this sort of thing? Mm. I think 
most of the clinicians I will speak to or coach or, or, or interact with would acknowledge that mentoring exists and is probably quite a, a strong part of doctor in training programs, um, you know, and formally and informally across the system. So I think most um, clinicians would say they've either been mentored or have a mentor or have heard of. What, what we also, what I'm also hearing is that some of those systems to provide mentoring aren't fit for purpose. They're not actually serving a need. And colleges have a role to play in that too, where colleges have, do have some, um, their websites look like they've got fantastic programs, but there's sense there's a sense of and coming back to the barrier. One of the barriers I see and hear is around the fact that it's it, it has been interpreted as being a remedial or a, a performance management issue rather than a accelerating high performance issue. So there has been some association with the fact that I don't want to be associated with the college program because um, I, I don't I, I'm I'm not a poor performing. Um, clinician nor do I need remediation. So there's a bit of a, a sort of paradigm shift that corporates and certainly in America that where the um, the programs are set up differently, um, there's not the same negative association with the help seeking that that accelerates the performance through mentoring. With coaching, I think it is a new concept in Australia. Certainly in the US and the UK, uh, physician coaching is far more sophisticated, far more um, accessible to many clinicians. In Australia, we're seeing the beginning of the wave, but it's not apparent that all clinicians are embracing the opportunity and recognising the benefits of a coaching or mentoring relationship. And, and there seems to be some still barriers around um, the acknowledgement that this is actually going to accelerate my career rather than it be a, a remedial or problems, problem career. Actually. Rita, Rita, we talked earlier about um, the type of things to look for in a, a coach if people are looking for one. Are there other things that you would recommend that people do if they're interested in being exploring uh, in exploring coaching? Yeah, um, for sure. So talk to someone who's been coached or mentored. I, I get get a lived experience firsthand. And um, we actually have a, a short video on our website that interviewed a number of senior staff specialists and asked them, you know, what, how they would tell their lived experience about coaching. And it's, and I think it's, I think it's really valuable. Just talk to someone who's had a lived experience. Um, I'd also encourage um, anyone who might be interested to just have a chat with with someone who provides a service obligation free just say look i want to know more about your coaching programs or how that works or you know what would a mentoring relationship with you look like and how how can i make that happen and and what are the sort of what are the frames of reference that that those providers will have because it will be different um according to the um to the to the either coach mentor or the provider and yeah, I guess don't be afraid to to um, ask for help. And again, help seeking behaviours is something that clinicians are not particularly good at demonstrating. So it might be a feeling like a real stretch or a real um, a, a vulnerability to actually say, I, I'm actually really keen to see a mentoring um, set up or a, a coaching a coaching relationship. So I guess have the courage to ask the question. 
Rita Capstan, in conjunction with a couple of prominent clinicians, including Sarah Dalton and Cheryl Martin and a number of others, are hosting an online session uh, in a couple of weeks' time. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, um, thank you for asking. So, Todd, um, we have eight um, amazing clinicians, including yourself, and as you said, uh, Dr. Sarah Dalton and Cheryl Martin, um, who, and this is a pilot program. So we're just gonna test the waters to see whether or not there's an appetite for clinicians to register for um, an online a webinar, a one-off on the 3rd of June is the uh, date in um, 7.30, I think it is in the morning, um, to enable and invite anyone who'd like a sounding board, a small group network to, to um, to join, that, that they were willing to just share one challenge that they've got, um, provide advice, peer, co peer mentoring as well as um, um, expert mentoring, and use it as a chance to connect with, with others who are interested in building a, a more collegiate way of working and um, spare the loneliness and exhaustion of working as a sole clinician. So that's a mentor MD program, Todd, that we're not you know we're really keen to see whether or not there's an appetite for for clinicians who want to use that service the other programs we run virtually around coaching can be individual coaching like i've just described or it can be group coaching and we do two types of programs around that one is group coaching to enable clinicians to be coached and there's a group program in organizations to provide that group coach set setting and we also provide webinars and workshops for clinicians who want to learn how to be more coach-like, to gain coaching skills that will contribute to a, a credential should they wish to. So they are also available as well. And we're seeing a lot more interest in um, from clinicians who want to be more coach-like. They don't want to give up their clinical roles, but it's about taking on some new skills to understand more how asking questions and giving trainees, for example, a safe place to answer can actually be a real um, revolutionary way of supporting, supporting each other and feeling listened to. Rita, thanks very much for joining us on the podcast and taking the time to share your insights into coaching. Thank you very much, Todd. Thanks for joining us on the podcast today. For more great interviews just like this, as well as over 500 podcasts, quizzes, articles, modules, videos, and journal reviews, download our free app. Just search for My Osler wherever you get your apps or visit oslercommunity.com.